Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast. This is where the women of Marvel assemble to talk all things Marvel and more. I'm Adri Cowan. I'm the social media manager. I'm Sana Manith. I'm an editor. I'm Judy Stevens. I'm a producer. And I'm Janine Schaefer, the talent scout. And today we have with us a very special guest, Ellie Pyle. Hi, everyone. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Ellie, tell, Ellie tell, tell everyone what you do. I am the associate editor in the Spider Office, and I edit Daredevil and Black Widow and Spider Man 2099. And so basically, all of your favorite things. books. Yeah. All of your all favorite books, Ellie the things edits. things you love. Um, except for the ones that Sana edits. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so. But, sadly, yes. not for much longer. So, uh, it turns out um, Ellie is leaving us. Boo. I uh, know. We're all, we're all very, we're all really excited for you. Um, Ellie is leaving us to uh, go work for the Distinguished Competition. Um, but that's how it goes here. I came from D.C., and uh, people people go back and forth a lot. Yeah, last time I was on here, we were welcoming Katie over from DC. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> and you're so making a big move to California. To California, yes. I am, I am, my apartment is half packed, and I'm packing everything up on Sunday and leaving New York. And yeah. So, how do you like to pack? Because my version of packing, <laughs> my version of packing is basically. Uh, go through everything that I own and cry looking through it and then pack all two days before I leave. Well, what's really strange is that I moved to New York almost exactly four years ago. I have Time Hop, so Time Hop is keeping me very informed about everything I was posting about getting ready to move to New York on this day four years ago. Huh. Huh. So I'm able to kind of compare. Uh, yeah, you're like, you did know, I learn from my mistakes or am I putting stuff in trash bags? <laughs> well, <laughs> stuff is already in trash bags. Um, actually, uh, two, of, two of my really good friends came over on, on Saturday and went through my entire wardrobe with me and told me like things I had to get rid of and things that needed to be so we made like needs to be repaired you know can go to California needs to stay at my parents house all these different stacks stuff I've got big bags of stuff I'm giving away I've got so many shoes guys <gasps> anybody what size shoe are you I am size seven and a half. Oh come on you must have uh, a million tiny books feet. and that's tiny I've got that. come on so many books so many books I actually because I, I was pretty sure that I was going to get the job offer, so I already took, um, last time I went to my parents' house, I took six boxes of comic books to my parents' house. So they are already gone like and out of the way, so that's good. Um, but yeah. And what's your parents' address? <laughs> well, hey, you know, at at my house in 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 Washington Heights, still I've still got comics that you know need good homes. So what's going to be amazing about LA is that you're going to have actual space. I know to put things in, like it's, you can get a bigger bigger bookshelf. And yeah, I'm so excited. Cabinets. There's going to be cabinets. I know. There's it's probably going to be closets. Closets. I, I lived in an apartment in Little Italy once that had zero closets. I have no closets now. Yeah. I've got like <laughs> hanging racks, like Me artfully too. put yeah, on yeah. my walls. Like it's yeah. And you oh, want it winter, so you're leaving at the opportune moment. As opposed to four years ago when I moved from Savannah, Georgia to New York 
the week after Thanksgiving and went, oh no, what have I done? This is so I don't own a coat. Did you move to New York to, to work at Marvel? I did. I did. Um, back around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I was running a theater in Savannah, Georgia um, after I went to SCAD for grad school. Um, and so SCAD, just for those of you who don't know, Tell us what SCAD is. Savannah College of Art and Design, um, which is actually the alma mater of a lot of great comic book artists yeah, yeah. who are working in the industry right now. I keep meeting people who were even at SCAD at the same time I was, um, like Rebecca, Rebecca Isaacs and I were at SCAD at the same time, but didn't meet because she was in the sequential art department and I was in the theater department and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so I ran, um, I studied theater in grad school and I ran a theater for two years after I finished my master's. Um, and uh, then that, you know, I, it, it was a complicated situation and I decided it was time to do something different. And um, my resume had been floating around Marvel and one day I got a call. Because you had applied once before. I had applied once before. Jake Thomas got my job. For anyone like anyone like any hopefuls listening. Yeah. So you had editorial experience. No. Not at all. I, I did not have any well, well, so. what I had. What I had. Um I had an undergraduate degree in playwriting and screenwriting and I had done a lot of um, work with young playwrights programs and things like that so developing writers from the theatrical side working with scripts and new play development um, and then I had run this theater and what Stephen Wacker who ultimately did hire me um, as opposed to Nick Lowe who I ironically work for now um, <laughs> but uh, is what, what Steve looked at my resume and um, because he also had a theater background I, it worked out that he was able to look at my resume and go oh well she's worked with writers she can develop a story she can develop a script but she's also managed people and those are the two things that an editor really needs to be able to do mm -hmm. is develop a story and manage a bunch of freelancers which is essentially what an artistic director has to do at a theater because you're hiring these people and trying to get them to learn lines and paint sets and who knows what work together and yeah work and together. work together um and i think that people you know don't necessarily always think about what a collaborative process comics are mm -hmm. um and theater's very much the same way. So um, I, I, I was very lucky that Steve could see how those skills translated into what I was gonna be doing. And he in fact said that, you know, if I could make actors learn lines, I could make people turn in their work. Um, <laughs> and he's right that those are equivalent experiences. I have the same capacity to do both of those things <laughs> in so much as either of those things is possible. Um, but you learn, you learn how to work with people and convince them that they really do want to do this work they're getting paid to do. That's um, like, uh, Joe, Joe, sorry, Joe Casada has a uh, sort of a, a lunch meeting with the interns every, I think every semester or something yeah. like that. And he looks at their portfolios, he gives them advice on how to get into comics and whatnot. Um, but he always gives the advice of if you're thinking about, if you're sort of undeclared and you want to go into comics and you don't have a sequential arts program at your university or whatever, think about theater mm -hmm. um, because he believes that there is a very there's a, such a parallel between what we do and what um, playwrights and what sort of theater art directors do and I think that's really interesting because it wasn't until I got here that I realized 
that there is a connection there. There are a do... lot of theater majors and, and yeah. you know, screenwriting majors and music majors yeah. up and down these halls. Yeah, yeah, like yeah absolutely. Nick, you, Steve, Jake, Jake, Jake me. Lauren, formerly. Yeah, Lauren um, Sankovich. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brennan. Uh, yeah. Ben Morse. Yeah. Really? Oh. He, he was a theater major? <gasps> he wasn't a theater major, but he did some theater right. studying. Yeah. We're all very excited. Did we just... Ex- <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, did we just leak that all over the internet? Exclusive. Uh, <laughs> Marvel podcast. Um, Jordan White seems like he's in theater, but he's yeah. not. Every but, day. Yes. He's in his play. Yes. <laughs> um, making. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so no, they are they are very equivalent skills. And in fact, I tell people a lot of times that I use, because when I ran the theater, the theater I ran in Savannah was for the city government. So I was basically an artistic director, but I was a government employee. As I said, it was it was very strange. Um, but I also directed most of the shows. Um, and the part of my brain that I use for editing is so much closer to the part of my brain I used to, for directing than the part of my brain I use for writing because I do a lot of my own writing. I've written, you know, books and I still write scripts from time to time. I've never done any comics writing. Um, so it's very easy for me to keep those two things separate. Um, but I find that, you know, when I'm editing it, I don't use the writer part of my brain hardly at all because you don't necessarily want to be asking yourself, how would I tell this story? Sure, of course. You want to be asking yourself, what is the story this person is trying to tell? Yeah, how can And you... how can I mm-hmm. make that as clear as possible? And when you're mm-hmm. a theater director, it's the exact same thing. And you have to think big picture mm-hmm. the whole time and be able to do that as well. So why don't... I, I'm very curious to know, I guess, when you first started at Marvel, like what you were expecting... And whether or not, I mean, I'm assuming it was nothing like you expected. But what were those for, first moments, those first couple of days at Marvel? And I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what I even expected. Um, well, and and I'm a weird case because uh, Tom Brennan, who used to be an editor here, he and I were are, are really good friends. So I had been hearing about Marvel all the time for three years before I got here. So. For me, in a lot of ways, it actually kind of was what I expected, just because I had heard so much about it before I got here, and so I had a lot of fun kind of piecing together, oh, that's that person I heard the story about. All right, (laughs) all right, and kind of, you know. But in terms of the actual job, um, I had no idea what to expect, really. Um, I mean, I had been, um, Steve Wacker, is very fond of saying that when you're an assistant editor in comics, you have to earn your opinion, Um, and that, for me, it was actually really good to just kind of know that, okay, this first six months, I'm going to spend just sizing files and doing schedules and doing, you know, spreadsheets and getting the mechanics down before I even have to worry about sounding smart about comics. And I can just kind of watch everybody and learn how this whole process works. That's great. I mean, I think the people who succeed are the people who are able to do that. because I, You know, because I, I do think a lot of people think, oh, I'll just walk in and I know how comics should be made. Like, I know how comics should be made. I read a lot of comics and they're terrible. And I'm going to make them all great. So I'm going to walk in and I'm going to be awesome. And then I think if after six months or seven months, they have not, in fact, made awesome comics exactly the way that they always thought they would make comics, it is very frustrating. And I think that sort of attitude 
it, it leads to like really early burnout because mm-hmm. you just don't you're like why aren't I do why aren't I already a senior editor mm-hmm. you know what I mean like right. I, under, I know how to do this job better than these fools whereas I was coming from a situation where I was very much in charge of a lot of things and I actually found it somewhat I found it really nice to kind of take a step back and learn something as opposed to constantly being the person who had to have the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had read comics as a kid and as a teenager, but it was never something that I had been so completely passionately invested in of this is going to be my life's work that I think that put me in a good position to kind of be able to treat it as a job. And I've ended up absolutely loving it in ways that I never anticipated that I would, but it, you know, kind of let me approach it, you know, more as a professional than as a fan or as somebody who was out to tell the great story that I needed to tell. And that's another area in which having my own kind of side projects, you know, whether I do anything with them or not, I can kind of get all of my, these are my stories I need to tell, you know, out in books nobody's ever going to read. Um, And then, hey, no, I... (laughs) Um, no, there are there are actually a surprising number of people who have read them. But then, you know, um, and just kind of keep that over there so that I can come in here and, you know, let Mark Wade tell stories because he's much better at it than me. Mark Wade is pretty good. So what, I'm sorry, Judy. I, I wonder, you've been here four years. Yes. What do you think is your, you think your most successful book or series? I'm throwing the hard question. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a tricky question because I mean the obvious answer to that would be Daredevil, but Daredevil while I was on board every step of the way, I mean Stephen Wacker gets all, all the credit for putting that team together and those guys are all so good that they, you know, um, I mean, they don't completely not need me, but, yeah, you know. Steve gets <laughs> enough credit. Don't worry, Steve doesn't work in this office Steve's anymore. Fine. But, but that, that's it. Well, and, you know, but I, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be a part of that team, and, and I'm thrilled that Mark and Chris actually do work work with me and include me in, you know, um, in the process and that we do all of that very much as a team. I, whenever possible, I like to run my books the way I ran a community theater where it's kind of like, everybody, this, we're all in this together and we're going to make some stories together and it's going to be fun. So like even the letterer is on the every email that we do for Daredevil, um, Joe Caramagna, and he's been on the book from issue one. So, you know, we incorporate, you know, his thoughts um, when the scripts come in and that sort of thing. Um, so we do try and all work on it together. In terms of the book that I'm most proud of, personally, in terms of, of being able to put my own mark kind of on something, um, obviously would be Fearless Defenders. Just that that was an incredible case of Tom Brevoort came to me and said, here's a blank check to go make the book you want to make. Where, And I actually, I was reminded recently of what he said to me when Fearless Defenders was canceled. Um, which is he kind of stuck his head in my office and he said, you know, you made a book that meant a lot to some people. And all the company asked you to do was make a book. You should be proud of that. That's a big deal coming from That is huge. I was like, that's awesome. Because, and and that's something that I hope, you know, young editors will will keep in mind is that when you do get that first project, never, ever, ever look at any project like, oh, this is a throwaway thing that nobody's going to care about. Mm -hmm. The throwaway things that nobody thinks they're going to care about 
are the best because um, what Tom actually said to me when he gave me Fearless Defenders was he said, you know, this is a book that, you know, we're going to make. We don't know what it's going to be yet. Mm -hmm. So just go make the book you want to read. And I said, okay. And I ran off and, you know, Cullen and I worked together on the pitch. And, you know, um, and this is not in any way to diminish the amount of work that Cullen put into this. Um, but, you know, it was it was a great opportunity to have a team that, you know, would kind of work with me on, you know, hey, I, I want to read a book like this. Can we make a book like this? Yeah. And um, that they were responsive to that and that, you know, the company was responsive to, you know, letting us put out a book like that. Um, and I think that sometimes when you have those projects that are flying under the radar enough, you get a chance to take chances that you wouldn't have gotten to take on other projects, which oddly enough is how I think a lot of Marvel's best properties, you know, started out. Like, I mean, Spider-Man started out as a, well, no one's really paying attention, so let's try this story about a teenager with superpowers. Mm -hmm. See if anybody likes that. And then, you know, you never know. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing about being an editor, and we've talked about that so many times, but knowing exactly, a lot of times you're given a project and you're like, okay, I know what this project is going to be, we're running with it, we know what the talent can do, whatever, and then there's a lot of times also where it's, we have no idea what to do with this, and we have to figure something out, and a lot of it is the editor having taste mm -hmm. to be able to craft something that is interesting and meaningful and fun, and also sort of pushes that that IP, that, that brand, uh, in a way that more people can potentially be reading that story. And, and I think with Fearless Defenders is an amazing example. Like, what you did, Ellie, was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. It was, it's one of those books where it will kind of live on in its own little world, and people, you know, got excited about it. And it was, it was completely it, unexpected. The, the skill of being able to, like, read the zeitgeist, you know what I mean? Which is not a thing, it's not, you can't teach that. You just mm -hmm. have to know, like, this is the time. Let's just do it. Like, yeah. this is the time, you know? And it was. It, it just, well, it just did. One of the things I loved most about that book was that, you know, I knew who our fans were. Like, the online community was so active that I I knew where to go for, like, instant response to, are we doing okay on mm -hmm. this? You know, what are we? And there are several people who I started following on Twitter, um when we were working on Fearless Defenders, uh, who I still follow because I love using their unique perspectives mm. as kind of a focus group almost of, you know, not even just with our comics, but also, you know, I like to see what they say about different television shows and media in general just kind of to get that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but it's always great when you've got a book that the fans respond to and that you get to be a part you of that. You have a pair of response. Fearless Defender shoes. I do have Fearless Defender shoes. They are on display in her office and I covet them every time I <laughs> They're go in there. great. Well, a fan made a pair for herself and then she sent a picture into the letter column and I lost my mind and <laughs> she made me a pair too. So amazing. Awesome. It, was, it was great and we brought it back around to shoes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Full circle, guys. Um, as we wind down, what do you think is the biggest piece of advice you can give to anyone um, that are, that's interested in entering the comic book world, especially women? 
I would say, um, to women who, who want to enter the comic book world, your perspective has never been more valuable and sought after than it is right now. So this is, this is a good time. Um, and we've talked a lot about on women of Marvel panels and things like that about the fact that there is no one female perspective in comics that I think that one of the great things about um, being a woman in comics right now is just that there is such a diversity of what that perspective is um, and I was actually going to say that a lot of the moments that I'm most proud of in the editing that I've done aren't you know, specific stories or specific issues or specific series, but like specific moments of, you know, I was able to kind of give a different perspective on this issue that became part of this story and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but know that, know that you're valuable, know that comics, you know, is looking, actively looking for more women, you know, to, to be a part of it. And then, um, it comes down to professionalism and you know learn learn how to manage people because you will need to do that not just with your freelancers but also you know within an office and in a community uh, because it is such a collaborative process and um, as as you know Janine was saying you know be ready to be ready to do six months of not having to be the smartest person in the room because you can still be the smartest person in the room, but you don't need to tell other people that. You let them let them figure it out for themselves in time. <laughs> I would like to do a little social media shout out because we're ramping up our Instagram account. Um, it's at the Women of Marvel. Please follow it and comment. We're your best friends. Maybe the next picture will be of Ellie's shoes. I was just thinking, <laughs> I, should, I should take a picture of my shoes. My shoes and my giant wizard staff that my mother made for me out of Fearless Defenders comics when she retired. It's great. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I expect you to walk out yeah, here I've got, on your last day. With my shoes <laughs> and my staff. And yeah, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I may do that. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, Ellie Pyle, we will miss you. We will miss you. We're I will miss you guys. Yeah. But good luck with everything and keep Thank in touch. You. Maybe you can be a guest if you're allowed. Yeah. <laughs> We're allowed to have the enemy on I don't know. Podcast. I don't know. All right. Well, cool. Um, and uh, for people who want to stay in touch with what Ellie is doing, where can we find you? I am at Ellie Pyle on Twitter, so it's super easy. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>